So, <laughs> the Golden State Warriors are currently six and nine in the West. Yeah, currently six and nine in the West. Um, a little troublesome. I'm not gonna lie. The season's still early, um, but I'm noticing a couple things. I, ca- I managed to catch a couple games uh, at a few local bars that I go to, and I just catch a couple games here and there. Um, but I'm noticing the same thing in some of the games that I've been watching. Um, and I thought, you know what? What better way to talk about this than to talk than to use uh, first takes um, commentary with Stephen A. Smith? I believe Molly Karam is on this episode, as well as Jay Williams. And I like Jay Will a lot. I like him. He's he's definitely an analyst that it really isn't as biased. He kind of sort of tells it how it is. Um, and he's not really a fanboy, you know. So that's something that you got to appreciate. So um, let's see what they're talking about. And I'm a, you know, talk. Starting the year 0 and 8 on the road, that is the longest road losing streak by a defending champion since the 98 99 Bulls, and the longest streak for the franchise since losing nine streak in 89 90. Jay Will now with us. I'm gonna start with you here though, Stephen A. Are you worried about the Warriors' chance of repeating? Um, chances of repeating do look very slim. Let me cut off Stephen A. Smith here. Uh, chances of repeating do look slim. Will they make the playoffs? I think so. I think they're competitive enough to compete within the Western Conference and beat whoever they need to beat in six or seven games, uh, whether it be a team like the Blazers, whether it be the Grizzlies. Although the Grizzlies may give them a, a hard matchup, they have a lot of youth on their they have a lot of youth on their side, and they're not as wet behind the ears as they were last season. Obviously, they're going to get better with age and experience. Um, also, a team like the the Suns. I mean, you know, the, when the Suns get hot, they're hot. But you know, can you really account for Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre? And this is DeAndre Ayton's last season, so it, I, at least I think it's going to be. So I mean, you know, is it possible that they can make some noise? I think so. But to repeat, I mean, the way Boston's playing right now, they're playing pretty lights out for the most part. They're playing like they're you know they're out for blood right now. They're also leading in the East, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So. Worried about them repeating? They should be, because as of right now, the Celtics team that's playing, they they would probably beat the Warriors in seven. Um, I have to confess that I am. I'm concerned um, because they're the 27th ranked defense in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, their defense has been atrocious this year, um, and I think that they lean a lot on Steph's offensive prowess to try to. Uh, get them out of certain defensive ruts that they find themselves in constantly. It's like nobody else wants to stand out anymore. Like, like Wiggins usually plays excellent defense, and uh, as does Clay. Now, Clay Thompson is a different story, though. Clay Thompson is coming off of a couple injuries, uh, two knee injuries, I believe, on two separate uh, two separate knees, uh, or an Achilles injury and a knee, and I think he tore his ACL. So, you know, he spent X amount of time away from basketball, and he's still trying to find his legs. It's just unfortunate that he's getting older in the process. Draymond picks and chooses when he wants to play defense. Wiseman, they moved him to the G League. I like the I, I like the upside of Kaminga. He can jump out the gym, but he doesn't make good decisions. And their bench really isn't helping them out at all either, nor are their role players. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm definitely worried. That is not something that we have customarily um, associated with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they usually predicate on playing great defense. And once again, one of the things that pissed me off in this offseason, now that I think about it, because it's hit me now and I'm seeing that the Blazers are number one in the West, uh, getting rid of Gary Payton II made no sense. 
Zero cents. I don't know what I don't know what it was. I have no idea why they didn't want to pay this dude, man. He plays great perimeter defense. Almost better defense than his dad. So I don't know why they did that. It made perfect sense perfect sense to bring him back. You let him go, and that's a huge gaping hole on a team. Although the Warriors can play defense, they they turn it off and on. But Gary Payton can pretty much lock up anybody. What we have to, I think in this moment, we have to appreciate the fact that all of these years we've been talking about the greatness of the Splash Brothers and their shooting prowess and how potent this team was offensively. You know, even though we would mention it, we didn't give the due appreciation they deserve to what they did defensively. And now it's chickens coming home to roost because let me tell you something, they can't stop a cold. Well, for right now, they can't stop a cold. But Stephen A. Smith, once again, with his... uh crazy metaphors and shit. Um, I think the way that they're looking at it is that the season's still early. They can still make adjustments. Um, but what's going to happen once we reach January, you know, or we, or we, we, <laughs> we reach, <laughs> I'm tripping, or we reach uh, like mid-December, you know, and that's when I think some of the seeding's going to start coming into place where you can look and tell who's going to be where. Now, the Warriors happen to get the four. I think they got the, were they the four seed last season? So, I mean, to me, I look at the Warriors and seeding doesn't really matter. They can beat anybody in the West, but I mean, that that, that wear and tear you're going to put on these guys, man, they're aging. They're aging fast. Steph will be 35, right? He'll be 35 this year or next year. Clay's going to be 34. Draymond's going to be 35 as well, you know? So what's happening is that you have these, your younger, your older stars, your star players are aging, your bench isn't helping, and your role players and young players who were supposed to step up are not, they're not being consistent enough. That's what's happening. So, you know, give or take, um, seating doesn't really matter, but I do think that uh, they can, they're going to figure it out. At least I hope they figure it out. They can't stop a goal. Now... Up until recently, the starters were. I cannot tell you right now how disappointed I am in their bench, especially Jonathan Wiseman, who's now in the G League. Who the fuck's Jonathan Wiseman? (laughs) You mean James Wiseman. That's what you're talking about. James Wiseman, who I look, I stuck my neck out for that guy, man. I stuck my neck out for that guy, and I always said, you know, you, know, you have to give him, give him some time. Allow him some time to develop, right? And he's not giving them anything at all. Nothing at all. I like this upside coming out of college. I, what, what he could do as a big man, to be a skilled big man at that, I was thinking maybe perhaps he could be a lesser Joel Embiid, but he's not even that, dude. Like, he's not even putting up Greg Oden numbers. This guy is... Basura. If you don't know what that means, look it up. Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. I understand. Kaminga. Who's Jonathan Kaminga? <laughs> Who is Jonathan Kaminga? <laughs> Stephen A. Smith can never pronounce his A's. He always puts an E-R at the end of it. I hope you don't say nigga. Don't say that. And they're not getting much playing time and all of this other stuff. But I believe in those three brothers. And when I sat up there and talked about how the Warriors are going to repeat again... It was predicated on the development of those young dudes because the Golden State Warriors have been known and revered for how they've developed players combined with the ascension of Klay Thompson. Now, I want to go here 
And I'll need y'all to put Jay Williams on the screen because I need to look at his face when I'm saying what I'm about to say about Clay Thompson. Oh, shit. He's about to go in on him. But you know what, though? He deserves that. You know, I think that they've given Clay Thompson, who's arguably one of my favorite players to watch in the league, a great role player, and also superstar, or all-star, that is. Uh, I think that they're going to have to find out some way to get him in and out of the rotation, man. Maybe perhaps get him coming off the bench. Um, because as a starter, he's starting to kind of show. His age is starting to show a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Now, do you want Jordan Poole to play in that position and play in his role at, at the two spot? I think he can do it. I think he's a good combo guard. He can, you know. And I, to me, I think that he may end up developing as a better two-way player than Clay. But the... But Clay's just not being consistent. He's not consistent enough when shooting. Um, usually he's kind of sort of the right-hand man to Steph, and he's not delivering. So they're going to have to find out some way to get him involved or perhaps maybe see how, you know, just what's going on with him. I have been on the record. Mm. Clay Thompson is one of the top five shooters of all time. He is a four-time champion now. He is a future Hall of Famer, first ballot. He's had a spectacular career. Obviously, I'm saying all of this before his injury. Last year, he comes back. He's not nearly 100%. And he comes back, and even though he's not shooting great, had big moments, made some big shots, uh, particularly in the postseason, and obviously made a valid contribution to their fourth championship. No problem with that. I was very disturbed at what I can only classify as a complete overreaction by Clay Thompson because of what Charles Barkley said a few weeks ago when Devin Booker was giving it to him and he got ejected. Yeah, uh it, Booker was giving he was giving it to him. He he put Clay Thompson's ass in a blender which is rare to see. Um but you got to attribute that to the injury. You know, when it comes to guys like Charles Barkley, I know that he's considered a quote-unquote hater. Um, you know, sometimes your haters are your greatest motivators, right? But you cannot allow someone from the outside to dictate your greatness and how good you can actually be. Clearly, it got to Clay Thompson, which is why I think that, you know, he it's getting to him now because he's hearing the, chir- the chirps and the whispers. Every year they're talking about trading Clay Thompson. I think that Steph Curry doesn't want that to happen. But the thing with the Warriors is that they go based off of recency bias. So Clay Thompson at this point if he doesn't turn things around, he's playing based off of his name alone. Like we know what Clay used to be, but now Clay's—I don't want to say he's a shell of himself, but he's pretty damn close to that. So hopefully he turns things around. I mean, the season is still young, but the name—but Clay Thompson is just a name at this point. There's really no action behind it, sadly. And the reason I say it was an overreaction, Clay Thompson, my brother. We all know you were hurt. Big two big-time nasty injuries to overcome. We get that. Everybody knows that. And you're absolutely right. Give you some time. Give you some time. You'll get it back. We understand that. But when you shoot 35% from the field, when you shoot 33% from three-point range, when you're a career 45%-plus shooter from the field and a career 40-plus percent shooter from three-point range, and those numbers have dropped precipitously, and there are questions as to whether or not you were really 
working on your game and revitalizing your game in the offseason because you just really wanted to get healthy and keep your legs fresh or whatever, there's going to be some questions, bro. I believe it's Klay Thompson. Well, how could you not? I mean, his body of work shows that he's a four-time NBA champion. Uh, He's going to go down as arguably a top five, top five, top ten shooter of all time, you know, up there with Steph. Um, But like he said, you got you got to give him some time. You have to give him some time to develop. Give him some time to find his legs and find a rhythm. I mean, he was out for almost what was almost a thousand days or some shit like that. Hey, give him some time. I believe he's a Hall of Famer champion. You can't find a bigger fan of Clay Thompson than me. That wasn't until you met well, not met me, but until you heard me. I'm a huge fan of Clay Thompson. That's my guy. That's why I got his jersey. But he has got to step up, and the incentive needs to be. Look at Steph Curry, my God, four-time champion, six NBA Finals appearances in eight years, and this brother, just when you count him out, he looks even better. He is him. Wiggins has tried to help him to some degree, but... Yeah, but Wiggins can only do but so much. He plays pretty good perimeter defense, and he plays really well uh, at the wing, but um, Steph, yeah, Steph looks great. I think he looks fantastic. Given that he's only 34 years old, well, he is 34 years old, uh, and he's able to put up 50 points against the Suns. Look, as long as Steph remains healthy, the Warriors are always going to have a chance to make it to the finals. Um, It's just that the other pieces are going to have to step up now since they've gotten older. And Steve Kerr, I think he's trying his best to make these adjustments, but they're just not playing defense. And again, Gary Payton II was the biggest mistake in the offseason that they didn't take care of. Point blank, point blank period. Somebody else got to help them offensively. And that person has got to be Clay Thompson. But they got to play better defense. And those young dudes, I expected more from them. And I'm not getting it right now. And I don't know who to look to, Jay, to blame for that. Well, we'll see. We'll have to see about that. The season's still going to go on, obviously. We have until what? May? March? May? Something like that? April? You know, so we got some time to figure out where the Warriors are going to end up. I think right now it's, you can hit the panic button, but later on we'll see. We'll see. You know, so ever since the Eagles lost the game, <laughs> uh, everyone's talking about now who who can dethrone them, what teams have leapfrogged them, um, are there any teams that could possibly be a threat to them? Well, I happen to see this um, uh, this segment here with. Uh, what's his name? Tom Kornheiser. <laughs> Tom Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon uh, for part from pardon the interruption. And um, now they're making a case that, you know, the Eagles went from being unstoppable to when they lose a game. Now, all of a sudden, every team is a fucking threat to them. So as you can tell, I'm a little pissed off uh, just because they shouldn't have lost the way they lost. But I'm going to talk about that in another, in another podcast segment. So let's see. Hi, Wilbon. Which team is the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC? Well, before Mike starts, uh, you could say, I mean, I wouldn't say the Vikings, but I mean, I, the Eagles already just, they demolished them at this point. <laughs> um, a team that I would worry about would definitely, I could see it being the Buccaneers. I mean, just, you can't ever count Tom Brady out. Uh, you could say the Niners, given the type of weapons that they have. But the problem with that is, is that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, crumbles in the clutch. Um, you could say the Dallas Cowboys, but I mean, we've seen Dallas crumble. I would also say maybe the Green Bay Packers. 
those would be the teams that I think that, that can possibly pose a threat to the Eagles. But if they continue to play the way that they've been playing prior to losing to Washington, there isn't a team that can beat them in the NFC, in my opinion. Tony, I think there could be several of them. Um, and a couple of them right there in the Eagles' own division, as we were reminded last night. Now, they've played you know, and beaten the Washington football team already earlier this season, so they're done at 1-1, one one, those two. But, Tony, the first team I'm thinking is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they've got, they've got all the necessities to steal a word from Al Campanis to beat anybody in the NFC. Yeah, but we've been saying that for the past couple of years now, and they always come up short. They have, like, we, every year, the narrative is always the Cowboys, are they a Super Bowl roster? Are they a Super Bowl threat? Are they uh, good enough to represent the NFC? Yes, they are, but they don't do it. <laughs> and if there was a Vikings-Eagles rematch, I might take the Vikings over the Eagles in the rematch, even if that rematch in the playoffs happened in Philadelphia. Uh, no, 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 no. Eagles would demolish the Vikings again. It'd be, actually, it'd be a lot worse. They would demolish the Vikings. And here's why. Because Kirk Cousins is the X factor in all of this. He's the X factor. They go as he goes. So, you know, you also got to realize that the Eagles have a couple players that are out. Now, Jordan Davis did play in that game. Avante Maddox is out. Dallas Goddard will be back at that point. He's now injured. But... No, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take the Vikings to beat the Eagles at home. No, not a, no. I don't think the Vikings have ever beat the Eagles at home in the past like seven seasons. I could be wrong there. But they're they're threats. The New York Giants, you know, with two losses, the New York Giants are a legitimate threat. And so- <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. The no, the Giants are not a threat. Listen, they're they're protecting Daniel Jones first and foremost. They're protecting him because they understand, you know, the offense has to flow through Saquon, okay? Has to flow through him. If you let, if Daniel Jones has any type of pressure on him, knowing he has to win you a game, he's going to make a mistake. So is the Washington football team. If they continue to play like this and keep Taylor Heineke a quarterback and forget about that other guy, that ex-Eagle. So I'm giving you a lot of teams there, Tone, but I'd say the Cowboys come to mind first. Uh, Well, we'll see. I think that they're going to beat Dallas at Jerry World in December. I think that's the Christmas Eve game. So we'll see. So let, let me just say that I am not surprised that Philadelphia lost one game and they're going to lose other games. Yes. There is no dominant team in the NFC. There is no dominant team in the AFC. Buffalo, nope. which we thought was a dominant team, has proven not to be a dominant team. I concede that Dallas is a good team. Yet, see, you know what happens, Mike? You have a 17-game schedule, and by the 10th or the 11th game, all the good teams have lost one game where you go, whoa, that's a surprise to me. I didn't think they'd lose that game, so they go down a notch. I believe that by game 15 or 16, San Francisco will be the biggest threat in the NFC. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good pick, but I mean, you know, if, if... You need Jimmy Garoppolo to be to be uh, extraordinary. It's not going to happen. But the pieces that they have on offense, I mean, Debo Samuel, they have Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, uh, Juszczyk, McCaffrey. Like they 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 look good. They look real good on offense. But you know, I, I don't I don't really trust I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I I believe that. But am I going to be surprised 
if Brady and Rodgers in the last six games of the season lead their teams up the ladder? No. No, I'm not going to be surprised. Cause- Aaron Rodgers ain't going no fucking where. He's not going anywhere this season. And I'm so glad. I love watching him freak out on the sidelines. Him and Matt LaFleur got serious beef, man. <laughs> they got beef. And I love watching Aaron Rodgers get mad. He just rolls his eyes and shit. Again, there's no dominant team, and it is a fluid situation. Yep, it's pretty wide open. It should make for some fun. The whole league, for that matter. That's it. Shut your sleepy ass up, Michael Wilbon. Listen, end of the day, end of the, day the teams that I think that are going to be a threat to the Eagles could be the Vikings, Cowboys, Niners, Bucks. That's it. That's it. Those are the teams I could see being a major problem for Philadelphia.